And dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So Ash Wednesday is one of those holy days where you really can pretty easily tell if a person is a Christian or not. Because, well, if their bangs aren't covering it up, you'll see a big black cross in the middle of their forehead. And every time I see somebody with one of these crosses, I always feel like there's this sense of pride just exuding from them. They're, they're proud to be bearing this cross before all of the world so that people will see that they are Christians. They went to church already today. It's a Wednesday and they were in church. It, it's, a, it's a little bit of a point of pride. But yet there's always something that comes on my mind, which is actually one of the reasons I don't like wearing the cross. It's because it's a fear of that works righteousness. That idea that we are doing something to be good before God. To, to show God that we're all right after all. That it's not that problem of sin. We've solved that by putting a cross on our forehead. Now he knows that we are saved and redeemed. Well, that's of course ridiculous. But yet, when we are gathering together today to practice, to participate in this, what we need is to have a good and full understanding you don't want to do things just because you're supposed to do them. You want to do things for good reason. So, let's start pulling this apart. Why ash? Of all things that you could use, why ash? I mean, unless you have a fireplace in your house, you're not really going to have a, an abundance of ash hanging around. But the best way that I've heard this described is this is an external act to show an internal condition, right? So this all goes back to the Old Testament. This is how the Israelites would show their God how they were sorry for their sin, for their failure. If they had been following idols and they wanted to come back to God, they wanted to show God their internal condition, that they were truly sorry for this. And so what they would do is they would put on sackcloth. They would fast. They would sit in the dirt and in the ash this would then show God, we're sorry. This external thing is causing such great discomfort. Many of you have probably experienced a burlap sack. If you've ever done a, a sack race and you got that burlap sack running on the side of your leg, it's not comfortable. And many of you who have received the sign of the cross on your forehead with the ashes, you know, it doesn't really feel too great. To sit in the dirt, well... I don't know, sitting in the dirt sometimes on a sunny day is a nice thing, but to just sit in the dirt, in the mud, in the muck, let's not forget about all the other things that sometimes come along with all of that. There is external discomfort. This outside of you thing that's just awful. But it's also showing that internal problem. This internal condition and feeling. But yet the question is, why? Well, does, this doesn't make us righteousness. This doesn't make us righteous. This doesn't give us righteousness, excuse me. So how, why are we even doing these things? If God knows our hearts, why are we even doing anything external? Well, then there's that huge problem of, well, what is righteousness? What does that even mean? And to understand righteousness, we need to understand sin and salvation. 
Starting off with sin, I think a lot of us think of sin as just this bad stuff that we do. It's a sin to murder. Is it a sin to tell a little white lie to your grandkid? I don't know. Right? (laughs) But sin is more than just the stuff we do. Sin is a condition. It is a problem that we have. See, sin is best understood... I'm going to quiz my confirmands on this later, so be ready for it. Sin is best understood as separation from God. These are the things that we are doing to separate ourselves from God, to say to God that we don't need you, that we can do this on our own. We separate ourselves by doing things which are contrary to God's will. So, right, you think of the fifth commandment, don't murder. Got it. I'm pretty good at not murdering people. I've never murdered anyone. I don't plan to. So that's it. I'm done with sin, right? Well, no, because it's a condition of who I am. Just by doing good, I can't remove this condition of who I am. It separates us. So then the question then rightly comes, what brings us back together? Because what sin has done is it has turned us as creatures, created things, who are trying to now overthrow the creator. We're trying to turn everything upside down. And when we're so far gone, what is to be done? Well, and God answers this with his son. God answers this with the cross. God answers this with salvation. God makes the promise to us, to our family of Israel. And he says, I will provide for you someone who will solve this problem of sin. I will do it for you. I promise to do it for you. And we see him arrive, we see him born of Mary as he lives perfectly. We we hear of him doing these many acts of righteousness, perfect where we could not be perfect. But especially the most important part is that cross where he goes for us to remove this curse of sin. He takes this thing away from us which is separating us from God. And then, we must always remember, that cross is never, ever separated from the empty tomb. Because without the empty tomb, the cross is irrelevant. And so when Christ rises from the dead, he leaves that separation of sin behind and brings only life to those who believe in him. This is what it all is. Look at that second reading from 2 Corinthians, right? We implore you on the behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God, to make things right with God. And how do you do that? Well, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. He became that separation so that through him, in him, by him, however you want to say it, with Jesus, that separation is now gone and we are made righteousness. Right? Look at how Paul phrases it. We might become the righteousness of God. It is now who we are as God's people. We are righteous. So, let's bring it all back. Sin and salvation and this problem of righteousness seen in the beginning and in our own lives in that sin. Salvation seen in Christ bringing that righteousness to all people. But like with all things, you don't just have something for the sake of having it. You have it for good reason, to use it, 
So now is the time where we reflect on practicing that righteousness. So Christ has taken care of sin. He has provided life eternal. We are now called to live righteously. How do we do that? The answer is carefully. We do it very carefully. Because we never want to point away from our, uh, we never want to point towards ourselves, but we also do want to point towards ourselves, right? Martin Luther's famous line, chief of sinners, that's me. Paul's famous line, chief of sinners, that's me. All of our famous lines that we point to ourselves and say, I am, because of my sin, I am scum before God, but he saw me as righteous, he saw me as important, and he pulled me out of the darkness into his perfection. But at the same side, we point away from ourselves. This is not done by me that I might glorify in my own works, but to point to God who has done all of these things for me. We live in this bizarre spot, this very challenging spot of tension, where sin is still attacking us, trying to pull us away from our God, but we have been made righteous. We have been baptized, and we have drowned those old selves and risen to new selves in the, the waters of holy baptism. We have confessed our sins, and I absolved you of your sins instead and by the command of Christ. And some of us, if not most of us, probably all of us, have sinned since then. We live in this awful tension of damned and saved, of sinner and saint, of righteous and unrighteous. But that's why we continue. That's why you're here. We continue in these things. Every time we gather together, we say, God, I have sinned. I need your forgiveness. That is why we gather so often to celebrate the sacraments to be continually brought back to that sainthood. This is why we practice righteousness. We do righteous things. Not to make us better before God, but to make us better. You were not redeemed so that you could stay in your sin. You were redeemed to be better. You are redeemed to fight that sin, given the power of God to resist temptations. You have been redeemed to be constantly in God's word, learning of his will for your life. And as Paul puts it, to do good. To do good works which have been prepared for you to walk in them. So we practice outwardness. Because our inner selves and our outer selves are uniquely united. This beard says a lot about who I am on the inside. No. No, what I do in practicing righteous, in doing good, in proclaiming the word of God, that shows who I am inside. How I participate, how I practice my righteousness shows the righteousness that is working inside of me. Not so that you can glorify that your pastor's such a great guy, which he is, <laughs> but so that we can partner together as the family of God in practicing righteousness. Look at how Joel puts it. Rend your hearts, not your garments, but also call a fast. See, this is an inward and outward thing united together. You know this whole thing that we're pushing with the red letter challenge? 
That's the whole purpose of it. I know that this is in our hearts as God's people. Now we got to start doing it. We got to start living it. And it's never, ever for righteousness sake that we might be better than anybody else, but that so we can be better than our old sinful selves. That old sinful self that was saved, that was redeemed and made new and different. Not to fall back, but to jump forward, to be better. That's why we wear these ashes publicly. All of these things coming back together to show the goodness of God. And then looking at more of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. It's not by ourselves. And it's not for a good time. Paul very rightly uses the word we. You know, I was gone for a weekend, but, uh, but the weekend before, we just finished that sermon series on 1 Corinthians. And a big part of Corinthians is uniting as brothers and sisters. We are not in this alone, but it's also not always for fun. Yeah, I'm in a goofy mood, so I'm making some jokes here and there, but it's not all for fun. You are called to bear your cross, an instrument of torture and death. But as Paul puts it so beautifully in 2 Corinthians 6, 8-10, through 10, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we're treated as imposters, but yet we're true. We're treated as unknown, but yet well-known. As a bunch of weirdos, but some of the most genuine people. As people who hate who are known for nothing but speaking ill, but also those who love radically. This is a very special life that we get to live, that we get to participate in, that we have been called to participate in. We can walk away. If you want to leave now, you can. Well, your spouse might pull you back down, but you can. You can walk away from all of this. But that inward being that has been saved is keeping many of you in the pews. Is keeping many of you to say, no, I, I want to be here. I spend my time where I want to spend my time. And as God has called me and brought me to life, I want to be with him and with his people. We are in a special life. And so because of that, we participate in special acts of righteousness. And then finally, turning to Matthew 6, Jesus brings it all back. He is the most righteous, but he's also the one who brings us the most warning about this righteousness. Be careful. Be careful with what you're doing. Watch out. Be careful with practicing this righteousness before other people that you might be admired by them. Because you can lose your reward. Where is your heart in all of this? Again, Joel calls us to rend our hearts, not our garments, to show inwardly what God has done, not to just make outward signs. Jesus warns us to be very careful of this, because in the foolishness of sin, we think that we can do things in the right way, in the right order, and it'll all work out. 
And that's simply not it. He gives us some specifics, right? When you righteously do this good thing of giving to the needy, I love this phrase, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I don't know if there's ever been a time where you've been so messed up in your own head that you don't know where your left or right hands are going. I guess messed up is maybe not the right thing. Maybe not in the right mind to be in that state where something is off. But if you, typically we are very well aware of what our hands are doing, right? I, I, I just love this mental image. And then even in prayer, right? How many times have you ever been somewhere where you heard someone lifting up these big fancy words and, oh, most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank God and praise Thee for all Thine wonderful gifts. It's true, but they're empty. I'm not thinking about how I'm praising and thanking my God for His gifts. I'm thinking about the big fancy words that you guys are like, man, this guy reads books. This is great. Look at how impressive our pastor is. Be careful. Watch out. The one about fasting is very interesting. We'll actually be looking at fasting with the Red Letter Challenge. And something that I hope you start trying out every once in a while is fasting. Not because, like me, you need to lose weight, but because it's a very healthy spiritual practice. It's a good, righteous work. But when you do it, don't be like, hey, I'm fasting today. No, I can't have any. I'm fasting today. Where you're just kind of pointing constantly back to yourself. But rather, it's, you're not distorting your face or changing anything. You're just, for the sake of your personal growth, your self-control, you're not participating in something. Don't do these things to show your righteousness so that people think you're better, but to show God how you want to be better. Because it's all for this purpose of building up this treasure in heaven, which of course is not anything like money or, you know, the, the right car, the right home, the right career, whatever like that. But true treasures in heaven is to have that right and perfect relationship with your God where you are saved, where you have life eternal. You practice these works of righteousness not to have more treasure than anybody else, but because you want to be better. You're not focusing on the relationship between you and your neighbors that you can constantly one-up each other, but you're focusing on your relationship between you and your God so that you can be better. When you are wearing these ashes today, when you leave here, when you go and eat your soup or go off and grab groceries, whatever it is, you're wearing these not so people stare at you and go, you got a little something right there, but so that people will see your righteousness that God has blessed you with. will ask you about it and then you can stop and say, this is my inward act that shows my outward. Wait, no, the other way around. This is my outward act to show my inward heart where God has changed me. And I repent of my sin and my sin has been placed on that cross. That cross that is on my forehead is dust because I am of the dust of the earth. But just as that earth will pass away, so will I. And when that earth is then remade, so too will I be remade where all things are perfect. This time of Lent, 
is best for us to understand as a time of personal reflection. So often you're called to think about your neighbor, love your neighbor, do this for your neighbor. But now in this season, I'm giving you permission to be righteously selfish. Not so that, again, righteously, not so that you are just focusing only on yourself, but so that you're focusing on yourself to be better. Getting into daily prayer, getting into daily devotions, getting into practicing righteousness like giving and loving and serving. It is in this season that we unite together as brothers and sisters to be better. While we repent today in ash, while we reflect and try and be better, while we fight with that saint-sinner complex that we live in, we will live in righteousness to come because of the righteousness that has been given to us by Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen.